Sidewalk Audio presents Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Lenahan, read by the author. Chapter 7, Araf. Okay, it wasn't a bus, but it sure felt like one. One moment, I was in mid-jump with an apple in my hand. The next moment, I was hit hard in the shoulder and went flying ass over teacups through the air. Luckily, I landed in a pile of barley that was pretty soft. Fergal was at my side in a second. Are you mad? Did you get the license number of that truck? I groaned. Are you okay? Give me a second, I said, just to check which of my bones aren't broken. For God's sakes, haven't you ever picked an apple before? Wait here, I'll talk to her. Talk to who? I sat up and found that I was a considerable distance from where I had been moments before. Fergal slowly approached the apple tree and placed his hands on the trunk. He mumbled a few things, pointed to me, and then jogged back. She said she won't hit you again. She wants to talk to you. If I was you, I'd start with an apology. The tree hit me? The tree hit me. Of course it did. If I had to thank a willow tree for its shade, I must certainly have to ask permission before picking an apple. I just wish I could learn something in this place without it being so painful. I stood up. I wasn't hurt as bad as I should have been. The blow was so unexpected that I didn't have time to tense up. Still, I had one hell of a dead arm. I walked wearily towards the tree. I'd spent a lifetime with trees. I always knew that they were living things, but I never really treated them like they were living in the same world as me. Again, the land was forcing me to re-examine my perceptions. I placed my hand on the trunk. A conversation with a tree is not like communicating with anyone or anything else. It's not a dialogue. It's more a meeting of the minds. Even though I spoke out loud, it was not necessary. Words are not the medium of communication. I didn't have to worry about convincing the apple tree that I was sorry. She knew as soon as I touched her, and I knew I was forgiven. The sensation of it washed over me. She was happy I was not seriously hurt. She had never hit anyone so hard. I learned that it was not uncommon for her to give a child a little smack just to teach a lesson, but she had never had a poacher as old as me and let loose a good one. She told me, uh, felt me, that Fergal and I could each have a couple of apples with her blessing. The only part of the conversation that was almost in words was when I thanked her and she said goodbye. I could have sworn she said, Good luck, little prince. We sat under the apple tree's shade and ate and drank water from Fergal's canteen. Who'd have thought an apple and some water could make such a superb meal? It was so satisfying, I felt as if I could live on these two things alone. I've since found out that many people in the land do. You still looked pretty wrecked, Connor, Fergal said. The castle's only an hour away, and we don't want to be too early. Why don't you have a snooze? I promise I won't steal your shoes. I won't argue with that, I said, as I put my head on the soft grass. Before I dozed off, I raised my hand behind me and touched the apple tree. I asked her if she minded me resting here a little bit. She told me she would look after me as I slept. The next thing I knew... 
I was dreaming again. I dreamt I was a child, maybe five years old. I was walking between my parents holding their hands as we passed under huge yew trees. The yews were not menacing like the ones on the river. The trees moved out of the way and bowed to us as we passed. An arrow sailed through the air and hit my father in the shoulder. I was upset, but my father told me not to be silly and pulled the arrow from his flesh like he was dusting dandruff off his suit. Mom rubbed the wound and it was healed. We sat together under a tree. Mom pointed and I looked up. I saw that the yew we were sitting under was now an apple tree. I turned to ask my mother if I could have an apple, but she and my father were gone. Next, the apple tree raised itself up on huge roots, pushing itself free from the ground and kicking me. I rolled like a ball to the base of another tree, and that one kicked me as well. Soon, all of the trees gathered around me, having a kickabout with me as the ball. The funny thing was, I liked it. They weren't hurting me. It was fun. After a while, I got bored with the game, and I laid down under a tree. The tree kept kicking me, but I refused to move. I awoke with a tree root sticking in my back. I'm sure it wasn't there when I fell asleep. Fergal was snoring away to my left. I toyed with the idea of stealing his shoes as a joke, but I wasn't sure if he wouldn't stab me first and get the joke second. I sat up and rubbed my eyes. That's when I saw him approach. He was close enough that I could see he was short, but not slight. He was built like a brick outhouse. Not fat, just a solid body with a head sitting directly on the shoulders. I got the impression that if I ran into him with all of my might, I would just bounce off. Maybe that's where they got the word bouncer from, because that's exactly what he looked like. If you got rid of the leather toga he was wearing and put him in a tuxedo, you could imagine him standing in the doorway of any disco. He was walking directly towards us. I stood and said, Hi. He didn't even notice me. In his hand, he held a thick wooden stick with a gnarled top and seemed to be heading for Fergal. Uh, excuse me, I said, trying to be polite. Can I help? He walked straight at Fergal and raised his stick. I drew my sword and covered the ground between us. That got his attention, at least. If you're looking for your neck, I can assure you that we don't have it. I looked him in the eye, but he gave nothing back. I couldn't read his face at all. I kicked Fergal and said, We've got company. Fergal opened his eyes to see the Incredible Hulk Jr. and myself standing over him with weapons drawn. He looked at Hulk and then me. For the love of gods, Connor, haven't you ever met anybody without drawing a sword? A friend of yours? I asked. Fergal nodded and I lowered my weapon. Connor, meet Araf. Araf, meet Connor. Sorry, I said, offering my hand. I've had a rough couple of days. That's what he said when he pulled a sword on me, Fergal said. Oh, that's not fair. This time I was defending you. Araf shook my hand and almost broke it. He, he was coming at you with a club. It's a banta stick, Fergal said, and Araf always wakes me with it. Why? Because once, and... Only once, Fergal said defensively, glaring at Araf. I attacked him with my banshee blade when he woke me up. I was having a bad dream, and it was a long time ago. Ever since, he always wakes me with that stick. 
Sounds sensible, I said, thinking I was lucky not to steal Fergal's shoes while he slept. Araf nodded to me in agreement. It was the first true communication between us. Come on, Fergal said, picking himself up off the ground. We've got a party to go to. Are you coming to the party, Araf? I asked. Are you kidding? Fergal replied for him. Araf here is a party beast. As we walked to the party, I got Araf's life story. Not from Araf, I might add, from Fergal. I was starting to wonder if Araf could speak at all. Araf and Fergal had grown up together in a place called Castle Ur in the Heatherlands. It was obvious they weren't blood relatives. One look at the two of them told you that they came from different gene pools. Hell, different gene oceans. It turned out that both had been raised by the same nanny who was now dead. When I asked Fergal about his parents, he seemed to sidestep the question. And check this out. Araf is an imp. I came very close to bursting out laughing and saying, isn't he a bit big for an imp? But I kept my mouth shut. The land was going to throw quite a few surprises at me. If I wanted to look like a native, I'd have to take stuff like this in my stride. I couldn't help thinking what a funky day I was having. Already, I'd been in a sword fight with a banshee and an imp. Now we were pals and we were off to a party. The landscape changed the closer we got to Castle Mun. The fields of grain changed into towering vineyards. Ancient trellises of black hawthorn were draped with vines, producing grapes in bunches so large I was amazed that they could stay on the vine. Bees the size of hummingbirds rolled through the white and pink blossoms. Castle Moon was not like the imposing fortress of Castle Dor. It was huge, it must have taken up over an acre, with low walls, and I noticed a conspicuous lack of sentries. Actually, with the vineyards around it, it looked more like a sprawling French chateau. We walked in silence for a while, which I was starting to realize was unusual for Fergal. Things had been so crazy, this was the first moment I had to collect my thoughts. Jeez, I hope Dad was all right. He looked bad when I left him, but he was definitely alive. I felt guilty going to a party, but something in my mother's voice back there made me think Dad would be okay. And then there was my dream. Was that a vision or just wish fulfillment? Well, as much as I would like to be able to help him, there was nothing I could do about it. Still, that didn't stop me from worrying. I decided to look at the big picture. Right. My father is a prince or maybe a king. My mother is an outlaw sorceress. And everyone in this place that shouldn't even exist wants to kill me. Okay, let's forget the big picture. That was just freaking me out. I needed a plan for the here and now. What should I do? I should get out of here. That's what I should do. I need to get out of the land. If the prophecy was right, and everyone around here seems to take it seriously, deadly seriously, then my parents' plan was a good one. Let me live a long and happy life in the real world, and when I reach a ripe old age, I pass away in my bed. The son of the one-handed prince will die, and Tirnanog will be saved. Good plan. I liked it. But how do I get back to the real world? There had to be a way. After all, my father and I had done it. The answer was mom. She was the one that had sent us in the first place. If I could find my mother, I could get out of here. Okay, I had a plan. Find my mother. Where? How? She said she was going to the Feely Lands. Now all I had to do is to find out how to get there. <laughs> I chuckled to myself. The fact of the matter was that I was lost and scared, and the only plan I could come up with was 
I want my mommy. Real mature. The approach to the outer wall of the castle was strange. Eerie, in fact. The gate was wide open, but there was no guards, no nobody. I could just about hear music coming from within, but there was no one outside or inside the doorway as far as I could tell. I'm not an expert on castles, I said, but aren't you supposed to, like, guard them? Jared doesn't need guards. He's got a mountain of gold, Fergal said. This place is crawling with snap spells. I'm sure if you were up to no good, you wouldn't get in here. Jared, I said, is this the same guy who built the huts? Well, of course. We were actually inside the castle, and still there was nobody around. There was definitely something going on. I could hear music, but there was no sign of a party. I was startled when the huge wooden doors at the end of the hallway opened and half a dozen servants with trays of dirty mugs and plates hurried past us without even a second glance. Music and the smell of food escaped from the room like a caged bird. The sound and the aroma were instantly intoxicating. I'd been thinking that maybe going to such a public event was a bad idea, but after I got a nose and an earful, just try and keep me out. Fergal reached the door first and then jumped when he heard a voice saying, Name? To the right of the door was an alcove with a split door, the top half open. Behind the door was an old guy. And I mean an ancient old guy. Physically, he didn't look that old, but I could see the years in his eyes. It was amazing how quickly I had gotten used to examining people's eyes. This guy's peepers had been around for a long, long time. Name, he repeated. Fergal of Castle Orr. Castle Orr, the old man questioned. You don't look like an imp to me. He is with me, Araf said in a beautiful bass voice. My God, I said, he can speak. Aha. Master Araf, the old guy said, it is good to see you again. This is my kinsman, Fergal, Araf said. He is indeed of Castle Orr, and this is Connor of... They all three looked at me for an answer. What could I say? I am Connor of, um, the Feely Lands. They all looked at me like I was from another planet, which I guess I was, and then they burst into laughter. The feely lands, the old man replied. That's a good one. Try not to eat any babies tonight, will you? Fergal and Araf laughed at this, so I did too. Okay, I promise, I said. Any friend of Master Araf are welcome at Castle Moon, said the old man. I'll take your weapons now, if you please. That would include the one up your sleeve, Master Fergal, was it? Fergal looked a bit shocked, but produced and unhooked his banshee blade. I was hoping to get into a banter match, Araf spoke again. Can I not keep my stick? The doorkeeper held out his hand, and Araf handed him his banter stick. The old man inspected it, and placed it with a bunch of others behind the door. There will be sticks provided for you if you wish to compete. And our sticks, the old man said with a rue smile, have... The added advantage of not being hollowed out and filled with lead. Araf nodded like a guilty schoolboy. 
Fergal and I both handed over our weapons. He filed Fergal's blade away, but looked at mine for quite some time. This is an exquisite sword, the old man said, as he placed it alone in a narrow cupboard. Does it have a name? Does what have a name? I asked. Your sword. A weapon as superb as this should have a name. Oh. I call it, I announced, the lawnmower. You have been listening to Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. To hear more of their fabulous music, please visit their website, www.lunasa.ie. That's www.lunasa.ie. For more information about Shadow Magic or its author, please visit www.shadowmagic.co.uk Thank you very much for listening.